right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to try to cover a lot. It's going to um, be very practical. And at the end, ask me any questions you want. Okay, so we'll try to get through all the information and then ask questions. So this is how to lead a successful short-term mission trip, just in case you're in the wrong place. My name is Katrina Del Valle. Um, I am a wife. I am a mama. I have four kids, um, two five-year-olds, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old. Sometimes three of them are the same age. <laughs> and the worst was when three of them were three. <laughs> and then my husband. Although, he can parent just as well as I can. Like, I am not going to put him under the, the bad parent bus, right? He nails it. He's actually home with all four of my littles and sending me super sweet pictures. And he's, he's a gift to my life. And I'm so thankful for him. So thankful. So I um, worked with National Chi Alpha for 13 years, overseeing all the short-term mission teams that go out of Chi Alpha, um, which roughly, you know, 300 to 350 a year. And so, um, you know, there's a lot in that. Some of them are U.S.-based trips. Some of them are overseas trips. Um, some of them are learning how to host teams back home, how to welcome people in and reach your own community. Um, for me, as I, like, move forward, when I define the word missions, this is what you need to know. Like, outreach is when you're reaching people around you, right? Missions is when you're crossing a culture, okay? So you may be in Columbus, but you're reaching Africans. You've just crossed a missions line, okay? This is completely different than you and who you are, and praise God that they sent them to you, right? Okay, so I put in this sheet exactly how I go through my personal process of, of, host, of planning a missions team. So I'm just going to walk through it, okay? First things first, you talk to your pastor. If you run out and try to start a missions team without the support, love, and backing of your pastor, you have just set yourself back five months. <laughs> Okay, you need to have that support. You need to have that covering. And then also, they will likely have very good ideas for you. Like, there's partnerships within your church. There's missionaries that your church supports that you could partner with. Go to a missionary that your church already supports. And it'll add to the long-term nature and giving of your church even to support that missionary. Um... Identify a trip leader. It might be you, it might not be you. But you need to find somebody who is faithful, available, teachable, and communicates really well. Now here's the last thing. Someone who is great with or committed to flexibility. Some people are really bad at being flexible, but they can say, you know what, I can be the most flexible person in the world for a week. You know, so you can move them toward that, right? Um, location, location, location. Plan to go serve a specific missionary in their vision. Okay? 
We do short-term trip. We do short-term trips solely to support long-term missional efforts. And I'm going to throw in there too. It is the best choice if you say I'm going to make a five-year commitment to one missionary, and it cuts down the mentality of we're taking lots of vacations. Okay, and every time you go back, you see the same people again, and you can build onto those relationships over and over and over. Also, when you choose a location, ask them what they want your team to do. Don't call them and tell them what you want to do. It is not going to, like, they may accommodate you, but you're not helping them. Right? So if I call Bill Schrader and I'm like, hey, I want to do a tent revival for adults. You know, that's not necessarily going to help them because they work with Latin America child care, right? So it just made a huge job for them if they decide that they want to host me, right? And so what I do is I make the phone call and I'm like, what could a team do to serve you? Like, what, what do you need done? How can we serve you? And how can we serve your vision? And sometimes it's like, I, you know, it would be really helpful in the summer for somebody to come and do a vacation Bible school. It would be really helpful in the summer for a construction team to come. You know, and they can lay some things out of what's good. And sometimes they're like, well, this is what we do. What do you want to do within that? And so, you know, between that give and take relationship, um, one of the things with location, too, is make sure that you pick a place that's right for you for your church, right? I think I've only had two conversations out of all of them. I'm talking to the team leader and they tell me which missionary they're gonna go work with. And I'm like, you can't, you just can't go to that missionary. And it's because their personalities would clash so hard that it would hurt the kingdom, you know? So you need to know who you're serving and how flexible is your team leader and your team. Okay, because if not, you're going to hurt yourself and your team. Cost. Never choose a location based on cost. Ever. Everybody say this with me. I will not, not choose, a choose a location based on the cost. Based on the cost. It doesn't build the kingdom. If we did that, then half or over half the world would never get reached. Ever. Um, I'll give you an idea, like, if you think about taking a team to the bush in Alaska, it takes the cost to get to Anchorage, right? So $900 to get to Anchorage from Cincinnati, say, and then another $950 to get into any bush from there, any place. And so that's already $1,800 just in flight costs, right? And somebody can easily look at that and say, well, I could have went to China for that. I could have went here for that. But how in the world are the people in the bush going to get reached? So we need to be praying and ask Jesus, like, where do you want us to go? And who can we serve there? Um, because we're called to build kingdom, right? Not build ourselves. So build a team. Share the calls with the congregation. 
Invite them to join your team. Some team members will be traveling on the trip. Other team members will be praying over the team while they're on the field. So this is something I've just started in the last few years, and it's been unbelievably successful. So I want to share it with you. I, um, instead of just doing a missions team that goes, I do a home team. And I strategically pair every single person on the team who's going with two people in the congregation to be their complete backup prayer support person, right? Here's the letter, I gave it to you, that I sent them, and it outlines everything that I asked from them to do. Okay, so what this did was it took the pressure off me as a team leader to push them to raise their money because the two people in the congregation, that's their job now. And it's their job to help them raise their money. So it's not just them doing it by themselves. They can come around them. And I found one time that um, one of the people were like, you know what, when you assigned me this, God told me to give them $1,000. I'm like, bless them, Lord, you know? And so just that alone and the prayer support that happened, especially if somebody has never, ever taken a missions trip before, they're, they don't know how to do any of these pieces. They don't know how to walk through them. And it brought so much camaraderie to our church to like wrap around the team members and to pray for them. And um, they prayed with them on personal things. They prayed with them on um, mission trip related things. And once a month I would send the home team a list of questions that I wanted them to go after for the person. And sometimes it was sin issues. And sometimes it's spiritual issues. Because I want these things fleshed out before we get to the field. And um, the more people saying the same things into your team members builds them. Because sometimes we have to hear things more than once. Right? But here's that. And this, when I take, like, Kaiapha teams... This wasn't really functional because there's not a multi-generational church to pour into them. But now that I'm more working with local churches, this is completely functional. And it works so well. And even, like, if you wanted to pair, like, I, I mostly paired solid believers as the home team. Like, people who were pillars in the church, right? the ones who are going to go after it. Um, I would do two solid people. If you have a bigger church, you can go two solid people and one person who needs to grow in this and let the two solid people model it for them as they go through it. Um, train your team. This is where I'm going to spend most of my time on. You need to make sure that you take the time to train your team on a wide, wide range of topics. I train my team on these topics specifically every single trip. Make sure that they understand the concept of it's not about me. This takes an entire meeting to get through. It's not about me or what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, how I want to feel what I want to eat there, where I want to go on my fun day, it's not about me. If I go there and the truck breaks down and I get to talk to one person, Jesus, right? 
about to interject? Sure. One thing, I've, I've had a couple teams, and one thing I always tell them, and it fits in with that, is we're not there to Americanize them. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we've been in places, and, and, well, I mean, somebody brought up OSHA in Nicaragua. Womp womp. Operating heavily and spiritually authorized, you know? I mean, you don't talk of OSHA to somebody in Nicaragua. <laughs> Amen. And with that, I'm going to throw in some other random things since he, since he brought us there. Please don't load a suitcase full of candy and take it to another country and fling it out like a parade. It does not help the long-term workers on site because you leave and everybody looks at them like they're supposed to just provide them candy now. Like, you can't do it. Spend time making sure that the team members have surrendered their agenda and expectations. That's huge. Teach on attitude and authority and how both build the kingdom. So there's two places to go with authority there. One is your team members are submitting to the team leader. The whole team is submitting under the missionary. Always. Even if you completely disagree with your missionary. Always. If you sign on to go under a missionary, you completely sign on to that missionary. When you leave, they get all of your fallout. You will submit to this missionary. And um, the other authority piece that I teach on is spiritual authority. When you go somewhere, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you. You have the authority of the Holy Spirit. Listen to him, discern, and act appropriately. Explain to the team how you will work and function as a team. If they understand that in advance, it helps them. Um, so a couple things that I say very clearly in the very beginning is, like, I love you dearly, and if you have an issue, I want you to come to me. You know, whether it's a personal issue, an issue with the team, an issue of something, come to me so we can pray about it. If, there, if it's something that needs addressed, we can address it. Like, I expect you to come to me, not to the missionary not to a random local, not to, like, you come to me. Um, and we walk that out. Another thing that I say very clearly um, is, and it kind of shell shocks people, but if I ask you to do something and you will not do it, I love you dearly, but I'm driving you to the airport and you can find your own way home. We don't have time for this. And I put that in the paperwork that they sign. Right? Because if they can't submit on this side of the country, you know, in this country, how will it happen there? Um, explain to them the mission field magnifying class. So when you go to a new place, everybody looks at you. They see what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you act, what you say, how you dress. It's a magnifying glass. And uh, some countries are worse than others. Some missionaries are worse than others, right? Because they know their people. And they know what, what will be a turnoff to their people. And they know what won't. Um, like if you're going to Africa, you'll most likely want to wear skirts if you're a woman. 
it's appropriate. And so make sure that you're fleshing out the needs of the culture um, through that. And then um, the other piece of the magnifying glass is, is you as a person and every person on your team. As we get pressure put on us, it's like a balloon, right? And so it's like it moves and it moves and it moves and then it pops, right? And so if there are issues for yourself or your team that you have not dealt with, they will be magnified a hundredfold on the mission field. If somebody has um, authority issues and they've not surrendered, it's going to blow up. If somebody um, has um, the inability to control their mouth, it will blow up. If you know, I mean, you can see it. Something else that I teach in advance is if you're taking a Sunday to Saturday trip on Wednesday, somebody is going to blow up on somebody else on your team, within your team. Wednesday. It's always Wednesday. <laughs> Every trip, it's Wednesday. Right? And it's usually personality conflicts. And it's like everybody's in close quarters. Everybody's living in an extreme community. Wednesday's your day. So Tuesday night, I start praying really hard. <laughs> right? Um, since I started teaching that in advance, people are much more aware of their emotions in that process, and I see it way less. So if you say, listen, it's going to be stressful, you're going to be tired, you probably won't get as much sleep, you won't be comfortable sleeping in this bed, you won't like the food that you're going to eat, I mean, there's all these things that are going to push on your balloon. You might be cold, you might be hot, you know, natural things in our first world country, right, that are going to push on our balloon. And if you're aware of them for yourself and for others, then you, after you get over Wednesday, smooth sailing, friends smooth sailing. Um, but if somebody does pop on Wednesday, it's important that they um, work that out. Like whoever they popped on, they need to seek forgiveness and work it through as part of their process. It's important. And if they do it in front of locals, then the locals need to see them repent. It's important that that happens. Uh, teach this. What are the appropriate means of ex of expressing yourself if you disagree with some something that is happening? I love you. <laughs> you have to be very careful about that because you are under the magnifying glass when you're there. Mm -hmm. I would say you'd better get them alone and pray with them, talk to them, whatever. Mm -hmm. What if somebody disagrees with you as a team leader? Well, like somebody on your team is like, I don't, I don't like the way you're doing this. Why didn't you plan this better? Why aren't the supplies here? You know, because when you're on the mission field, nothing ever shows up on time. Like prepare your heart. The bus, the wood, the tools, I mean, nothing ever shows up on time, ever. As team leader, the first thing I do is get them off to the side mm -hmm. because you don't need division within the team and mm -hmm. the nationals. Mm -hmm. you got to get them off to the side and maybe a, a timeout. Mm -hmm. like, you know, take a break, get some water, and then we'll kind of revisit for both of you because 
I'm going to just naturally react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have to know their triggers, right? I know my triggers. You ready for my triggers? If I'm cold, hungry, or tired. These are my triggers. And I can manage with any one of those, but if you add a second one to it, I tank. Cold, hungry, or tired. So if you know your triggers, you can manage them, right? Mostly. Mostly. At least you're aware, right? You're aware. You're like, okay, I'm not really frustrated with people right now. I'm just tired. You know? I'm just hungry, here's my peanut butter bar, <laughs> you know. Um, sleeping cold or tricky. Spe- like I've done a lot of teams in Alaska and <laughs> the sun's always out and it's cold. So, you know, God's funny like that too, right? Doesn't he send us places that push us, right? Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that I... My challenge for the team is that I cannot stand complaining at all. I can't handle it. I don't want to hear it. There's nothing about it that I want to participate in if somebody's like whiny or grumbly. I mean, it's one of the things that killed the Jews in the desert. You know, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, no, thank you. Um, So here's the deal. You are welcome to come to me with a complaint only if you can provide me with a solution. Only. If you cannot provide me with a solution, I don't want to hear it. And understand that your solution may not be accepted. But you have to provide a solution. And it really filters out the um, inappropriate heart issues that come with complaining. Because somebody is actually concerned with making it better versus whining. Mm-hmm. You can say we talked about this. Yeah. If you don't teach anything in this picture, then you've got a whole other mm-hmm. challenge. Part of two is is that like I remember a long time ago, two teenage girls throwing their paintbrushes at me. They just had had it, they were hot, sweaty, nasty, <laughs> everything did. You know, just all the Was it a Wednesday? <laughs> it was a Wednesday. They were painting rocks white with limestone paint in an orphanage in Mexico. That was how they marked the trails. Right. You go from one place to the other at night, they didn't see. Part of me was really frustrated. Part of me also realized that the field is like a crucible. And stuff that is in parts we don't know about can rise to the surface. And when it does, as leaders, we have the opportunity to skim that off so that ultimately God sees his own reflection in the crucible. So so it's um, I appreciate that, that whining stuff. And uh, if you don't have a solution, that's great. But also the field does operate as a crucible. It gives the leaders a chance to help people. Mm-hmm. And the cultural leaders, like in Africa, mm-hmm. they are very honoring when you go, but they are blunt with one another. Mm-hmm. They don't miss a lot of words. You, you go do this, and no, you cannot do that, and we're like, whoa. No, mm-hmm. please, or thank you, but that's their culture, mm-hmm. and you can't take them. Uh, a question about how long you spend with your team prior to the trip. A year in advance, we meet once a month. If you don't have that much time, you can do twice a month. But almost every line gets its own team meeting. So if they can stand you a month, they can go with you. 
and really we're really we're discipling people right we're spending this time with people we're discipling them we're helping them repent we're helping them dig out all their trash we're helping them move toward a place where they can give Jesus away and ideally this is the long term in their everyday life right yeah I had an experience in Korea I was acting like I was from America and they don't act like that culture is totally different and we are really arrogant because we went we went to something we just bought it we didn't think about what it cost or anything mm-hmm. so you got to be very careful mm-hmm. not to offend them you appear in ignorance and better than they are mm-hmm. So that's one thing that you really have to watch. You've got to learn to mm-hmm. accept what they do. Mm-hmm. Which all of those things go into give your team a background and overview of the culture you're going to serve. Mm-hmm. What I like to do um, now is I, I zoom in the missionary from the field. And I let them tell. Like, and they can be blunt, they can tell their story, they can tell the good things and the bad things, and I just ask them to be really, really raw. And then before we end, we ask them, like, okay, what do you need and how can we pray for you right now? Like, what do you need? And um, a lot of times it's that our missionaries are so tired and wore down that they just desperately needed you to pray for them that day. And so... You'll find that you're ministering long before you get to the field. A cultural thing that I learned the hard way uh, is, and it's part of the magnifying glass, most foreign countries, a lot of what they know about America is what they see on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are not Roseanne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, 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 those different generation. But um, seriously, but the thing that, that blindsided me once is it was um, our our humor. They take what we a lot of people, other cultures, they don't understand our humor, mm-hmm. especially our our acceptance of sarcasm, mm-hmm. and they take it as Truth. that's what you think mm-hmm. that's your word. And I actually had to have a team member Say what you mean and mean what you say. Say it. I don't think it's arrogance as much as it is. That's just how we are. Mm-hmm. It's a cultural differences. Cultural differences. But they can become very big cultural differences. And they can hinder your entire team. Right? Um, and I always recommend having the missionary zoom in. If it's from a sensitive country, they'll know how they can do that best. And if they can't do it, that's okay. There's other ways to, to manage um, getting their information through. Um, teach on potential cultural strongholds. Abuse, alcoholism, incest, cannibalism. Right? I went into one country. 
found out that they're cannibals a little late, <laughs> right? <laughs> Early in my ministry, I did very little research on where I wanted to go because I didn't want to be afraid of people, right? And now I'm not afraid of people, so I'm just reading on my own. Shouldn't have known that. Um, but an example in Alaska is um, in one of the villages, when they turn five years old, they get their own homebrew pot which means that they learn how to make their own alcohol at five years old. And you can walk down the street almost at any point and somebody's passed out just in the grass. Right? And so these are, you know, strongholds, issues. Um, there's a lot of rape. Uh, the clinic there told me that you can just expect that every child over three years old has been raped or molested. And it's not coming from the outside. It's within their own family. And it's such a normal family process that it's, it's not even corrected. Bush. Yeah, it's much more lower 48 states as Anchorage is much you know, closer to our culture. Um, Fairbanks is in between our culture and Bush culture because more um, folks from the Bush are willing to come to Fairbanks to go to college um, than they're willing to come to, to Anchorage. So, but I mean, they, these are things like you would never know that, right? This is America, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to a, I went to um, a youth camp, and we staffed it every year for seven years. And just to oh, I see your Royal Rangers thing. There's a Royal Rangers team that came in before we got there and built our entire camp. And then we came in and and they brought in the kids to us and we served the kids. And then they would come back in and tear it down for us. And like it was it was a machine. But kids were coming in from five villages, right? There is no other time that they're going to get this kind of exposure to the gospel. And so, like, and that's, you know, there's a lot of um, villages who have no, no church, but it's also somehow written into their, their laws that they're also not allowed to have a bar if they don't have a church. So they make their own stuff. Mm -hmm. They're one of our states. <laughs> yeah. This is our family. But, but, These are our people. You know, but there seems to be a lot of interest in that state. It's just uh, TV programs and how people live on the You don't see any of that stuff. No. There are over 100 villages with no church. No access to the gospel. It's easier in our American standards. It's harder in our missions mind standards. Um, so, like, we don't have to have a passport. We don't have to, you know, go through a lot of those kind of pieces to get there. Yeah, language. They speak English. Um, they also speak their native languages, which if you go up there, I highly recommend that you encourage them and tell them that you love their language. Um, they are very offended by the white man. Um, they've been hurt very badly. 
in the past, and um, so. We have a lot of uh, full-time missionaries up there. We have a bunch, but not enough. Like, way not enough. Um, Alaska, if you lay it on the United States, it's about half of the United States, size-wise. And it's just not enough. And some, some places, they are very offended by Eskimo. Yes. That yep, they're Inuits. Uh, because I'm thinking what what we discover and talk about as strongholds need to become points of intercession mm -hmm. until the time we go. Uh, yeah. So I think the sooner we do this, because you know, there are strongholds, which is anything that's contrary to the mm -hmm. ways of God, that we feel powerless to do anything about. Mm -hmm. You really, when you start hearing these things, it's like, but the good news is weapons will work very powerful. They pulled out strongholds. Yeah. So I think getting people interceding about these things, both mm -hmm. individuals and their, their person for teams, uh, would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. The first three months I focus on the individual. The second three months I focus on the major things that we're going to end up praying through the rest of the time. So. Um, Personal would be like the magnifying glass, the things that are going to blow up, because you might need nine months for this person to deal with themselves. You might. Um, let's see. Every member of the team has to be willing to share a testimony in eight minutes, ideally a four-minute version and an eight-minute version. So that's one of the, the team meetings. They sit there, they write their testimony, and they practice saying it to each other. That's what they do. Um, if your pastor would allow it, let them go to small groups in your church and practice giving their story um, so that they can learn how to give it away. Right? Um, so I don't know if this is because I'm a woman leading missions trips or what, but I have really grabbed a hold of the man talk. I always give a man talk every single time, and it gets a whole it gets a whole uh, meeting. But basically, in a nutshell, my man talk is: I need men to be men. I'm leading, but I need you to be what God created you to be. You know, and he put a lot of things in you that the team needs. You know, he needs protection. He needs covering. He needs, you know, all of these things that, that make men great under him and to serve him. And um, it makes me a better woman and a better leader when the men are walking wholly in their role. It makes me better if you are walking better in your role as a man. So I always put that out there. The, it, it does something that wakes up the 20 to 25-year-old population. Because they're so used to being told what they're not that they need to be told what they are. Okay. I do a teaching on the four things that killed the Jews in the desert. Uh, one is grumbling. One is um, like adultery and fidelity. Um, so 
that part of it is this trip is not a dating trip. This is not eHarmony. <laughs> this is not, you are, if you are together and you are not married, you are not dating on this trip. You are not going off by yourself. I don't even want anybody to know that you're dating. Don't hold hands. Don't, because it could mess with cultural issues. It could mess with all kinds of, if you are not married, your good friends don't touch each other at all. Um, and if you're, you know, you're interested in somebody, congratulations, figure that out when you get home. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what, how involved you are in this, obviously mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> what initiates the trip? I mean, did the missionary call and say, I need this and this and contact you? Or Missionaries hardly ever ask for trips. They will hardly ever ask for help because they're used to being alone and told no. Yeah, if like if you if you know a missionary that you want to serve, send them an email and say, hey, you know, I think the Lord may be laying on my heart to, to take a missions team somewhere. Is this something that you would be interested in hosting? And if so, what would it look like to serve you there? And what's your involvement? I mean, do you you're teaching a lot, obviously. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in every trip and part of prepping? Um, the trips that I lead, I prep, and then I prep the team leaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As a pastor of a church, mm -hmm. I, every year, wanted, every other year I wanted a foreign missions trip. The alternate years, I wanted local trips in state or in the nation so that maybe we went did an Indian reservation one year, the next year we would go to Chile, and the next year we would do uh, along the Ohio River, and the next year we would do Nicaragua. Because mm -hmm. I, well, you know, involved in Rangers forever, but, you know, a lot of discomfort doesn't really bother me as much as my other people, but my expertise is construction. Mm -hmm. And is that a, like a major part of these trips or is it half of them? I mean, it's a lot. A lot. There's a lot of construction that needs to happen. I know there's other medical needs, mm -hmm. helping deliver stuff to people, medical needs, and of course, the spiritual part of it is always part of every trip, but, mm -hmm. but that might be more emphasis. But is there is there like so? You love thinking about this for a while, you know, but just didn't know where to start. You know, I was looking up stuff. If there's mission trips being planned, mm -hmm. is there some type of a tool that I could latch onto and say they need somebody to go on this trip, or do I just do a team? Yeah. So a a good way to like start that process is my emails on there. And you you can email me and be like, listen, I'm really good at like construction stuff, and and um, I hear all the time, and so does Dave, um, Peggy, Randy about you know, and so it's nice because we have a network where we can email each other and say, hey, we've got this, you know, folks who might want to go. Do we know who, what missionaries need this? I know some of them. And we can help connect kind of you. Been some ranger trips mm -hmm. through the FCF that went different places, and I never was involved in them. I don't know if that's something that they just kind of did on their own, <laughs> right down to South America, or I'm sure there was some structure to their organizing mm -hmm. through the mission. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I believe the Turners are getting ready to do construction. Um, Dana Marie Turner. Mm -hmm. I know John. Uh, 
John Bates pretty good. Mm -hmm. As soon as the borders open, the Turners are building a 36-bed girls' facility uh, in conjunction with the National Church, uh, which is mm -hmm. a big deal. And so um, they're, they're asking for people to come mm -hmm. immediately. Because I've, I've done stuff more on my field, you know, like we'd say, like this, this state, this particular uh, needs a bunch of work done on their uh, apartments and that's over a week. And I can understand how when you get there and there ain't, even in this country, it's not even organized. Mm -hmm. You get there and there ain't nothing there. Mm -hmm. But you just got to be flexible and say, well, what can I do mm -hmm. until it gets here? Or... Yep. We did a Builders um, International, part of the AD, yeah, it's about our experienced saints, I always push for them to go to the field too. Um, because like the Lord has such a word for keeping people going until he takes them home. <laughs> right? Um, so on our, our first trip into Alaska, we took um, two experienced saints with us. And our Kaiafa team knew, beginning to end, you won't even let them carry their bag. They're not allowed to carry their bags. And they, they ran around behind them, they covered them, they took care of everything to make sure that they were fully capable to serve Jesus unencumbered the whole trip. I've had, I've had multi-age teams in Asian contexts mm -hmm. and Asian young adults. And we work in a conversational English coffee house where young Asians are practicing their English. Mm -hmm. That's their ticket for the international companies. And you work your faith in every conversation. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, they want to talk to the older people. They want to talk to the people with white hair. 
Yep. The experience. Experience mm -hmm. and the knowledge. Yep. They don't want to talk to 20-somethings. They want to talk yep. to people that, that are generationally older. And it's, uh, it, we need to mobilize yes. the older generation. Yes. Yes. Relating with, mm -hmm. and so like I go overseas and they call me grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken a, an 83-year-old on a uh, on a trip that she rolled a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't have quite the dating issues. Preach. <laughs> 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 If you do, it's a bigger problem. <laughs> they might stay. <laughs> you really have to nail this one down because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's one thing to talk about it, when, but when somebody starts experiencing those feelings on the field, mm -hmm. you have to nip it in the bud because I have had to send people home because of this issue. We call mm -hmm. it the LTH, the Lone Trip Home. Yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> okay, before we leave, and then. Um, but it's I, like the walk I've of shame. Done, flip side, I've also done perform multiple wedding ceremonies for couples right, who have met yep. on, the, on a team on the field. Yeah. I'm not talking about with the Nationals. I'm talking mm -hmm. about teammates. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, done those ceremonies. <laughs> um, share eating, traveling, lodging expectations. You'll get those from your missionary, but it helps everybody in advance if they realize that they're going to be eating rice for a week. On purpose. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. And just a side note to tell your team members, if a national can eat it, it's probably digestible. Right. Yeah, I never knew I liked goat until I had it in Cuba. It was awesome. I didn't know I didn't like monkey until I had it, and I still know it. I didn't know what it was when I ate it. But if they can swallow it, you probably can too. But but there again, there's cultural things too because you have to watch with the water and the vegetables and all that stuff. But that's missionary will share all that with you. Yes, and you know the key in all of this is being flexible. You know, you've got to be flexible. You've got to teach them how to be flexible. Um, you know, you've got you to flex. The one thing that you can teach and preach a thousand times is we can handle anything for a short period of time. Anything. We can handle it for a short period of time. It's like even if you absolutely can't stand it, hate it, it's a week. Yeah. You know, it's two weeks. You can do anything for a short period of time. Right. And when you get home, you didn't realize what a great time you had. Right? Um, raise your funds. Some groups have individuals raise funds and some does an overall group budget and you raise it together. Um, I do a mix, so um, I almost do like the snowball effect. So when somebody gets their budget raised, they link on and start putting money into the, the big. Nobody stops until everybody's budget's done. Like, it's all in. Because there may be somebody on your team who... It's their first mission trip. They know no other believers. They know, like, I mean, if they raise $300, they have just won the lottery, okay? And it's our job as a team and a family to come around them. We've got to do this together. Um, planning and travel. I put, 
manage missions on there. If you have never used this before, friends, my gosh, save yourself the time, the effort, the energy, and use manage missions. If, as long as you're taking less than five teams a month, it's free. Okay? I mean, seriously. This is, wow. So, you can do your application process from there. You can approve applications from there. You can add any of your own questions. Um, it all comes up. Then you assign them to a team within it. They fill out all of their medical information. They fill out all of their emergency information. All of the pieces are in one place. And you get to email them directly from this portal, right? Because e they put in their email, you can email, and they don't have to come back to the portal to read it. It goes to their email. Okay, so it's so much easier. But you can cover meetings, budgets. There's different tabs for all of these things. You can set up all the meetings for the year. You can set up all of the reminder emails for the year, so you don't even have to come back to it. It'll just remind them to do it. And is this in addition to the aging maps, wide open missions? You yes. Have to fill mm -hmm. out certain forms for yes. Yes. Okay. This this would be a separate thing, but. Um, I recommend doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, the magic of this for me was right before I got ready to travel, I could click one button and it printed everybody's medical information and dropped it right into a binder for me. I didn't have to hunt for it. I didn't have to Xerox things. I didn't have to. It's, it's great. And you can set up your meetings, all of your meeting reminders, your budget reminders. Hey, in two weeks, you have this amount due. In one week, and you don't even have to come back to it to look at it. Right, and it drops these email reminders into their thing. It's it's so good. Um, you can set up yourself as a coordinator, like if you're hosting multiple trips, you can set yourself as a coordinator, someone else as a team leader, and you can see all of the teams as a coordinator. The team leader can only see the team that they're leading, and the participant only sees their own stuff. Okay, I'm telling you. And you can put documents on there. You can put links to ministries and websites, it's all secured. It was built by um, folks who wanted, who were leading short-term mission teams and they felt like it was too hard. So they don't even get paid to do this. Does it run in both um, Windows and Mac? Or? Yes. Yep, yep. And Because it's not an app, it's just a website. website. Can I ask quick about finances real quick? Mm -hmm. your, how you, what your thought process is on the finances? Do you require the team to be fully paid prior to getting on a plane? Yes, unless they have a really good idea. Okay. You know, like they're going to sell their house and they know this money's and coming money's, in, right? Because where right? I'm at, if they don't, then the money's coming out of the church's general budget because right. the airline's going to want their money. They don't care. Right. And then the other question is, how do you handle construction funds? Mm -hmm. do you, is that you... What I end up doing is I kind of roll that into mm -hmm. the team fee, and then if the church takes an offering or anything, then I can give money back mm -hmm. or, or add it to. So it's up to you and your church. So like some churches are like, you know what, you guys raise your budgets, and we're going to go after the church for this construction, $10,000. You know, we're going to do this. And sometimes it gets separated into the amount of people. So like you, between you and your pastor, you need to sort that out. Um, my preference is to not put more on individuals. So like sometimes it's like, okay, here's my bulk budget and here's this. Um, what I do do though, 
and I do this intentionally and everybody knows it up front, the team leader is covered in the trip. The team leader's cost is split between all the team members because you are going to be working full time from start to finish for a year. Um, somebody did a pie auction for me once that brought in 1800 um, I had somebody do a yard sale that brought in 20000 They're like, I got a garage full of stuff. I don't really want it in my garage anymore. We used to do, we used to do car washes. Mm -hmm. I, I did this with teens. Um, mm -hmm. And we, what we would in advance, six or eight weeks out, mm -hmm. say, hey, we're planning on washing 100 cars on this Saturday for missions. Would you support me on a cents per car basis? Nice. Car, dollar, car, all that kind of stuff. So we end up washing cars for $20, $25 a piece. Mm -hmm. Plus everybody that goes through wants to throw in a donation when they hear what you're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. and you, you can raise, we raised $3,500 one Sunday after Saturday afternoon with a car wash mm -hmm. with that model of on a cents per car basis um, pledge. And then what we did was we said 75% of what they raised goes to you, 25% goes to the team, mm -hmm. or to the construction cost, whatever the case may be, or to a teammate. Mm -hmm. That's just part of being a teammate. Yeah. It all didn't go to you. We challenged our church once on storage. Um, so, like in the main service, we're like, you know. Most of you are probably storing something in your garage that you've never touched before, something in a storage bin that you're paying to store there. What if you sold it for the kingdom? Mm -hmm. Big sales. It's good. We partnered with Greenhouse, mm -hmm. and they gave us, they printed out the order form. It was before Mother's Day. We sold Mother's Day flower baskets to mm -hmm. the community. The Greenhouse delivered them to the church on the day before, like the Saturday before Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. People came, got what they had sold, and delivered it. And People thank you because mm -hmm. they don't yeah. have to go find another. <laughs> we made huge enough money. Mm -hmm. At Christmas time, we tell people to ask for money for their mission trips instead of stuff. Does anybody else have any good ideas that you've done or you want to share? Last piece that I want to get to real quick, um, and then any questions that you want to throw out after that, um, is insurance. Always get insurance. I use the Assemblies of God insurance through WideOpenMissions.org um, um, for international trips, and I use Faith Ventures insurance for um, stateside. You don't have to use those, but like get insurance. You have to get their insurance. Yeah, you have to. And it, it's a good thing. Like, don't feel like you're being controlled. Like, 
it is a good thing. So I'm going to give you a quick story just so that you feel bad if you don't want to get insurance. Um, so I'm in Alaska and I've got, um, you know, 18 to 22 year olds on my team. And they're, they're trying to build this church, like basically it's church facility, but it's going to be our camp, like main hall, right? Where we eat and do church. And so like they're unloading these steel beams from these boats that they like connected two boats together and they're like trying to get it down the river to, to where they want to be, right? And so I've got some kids and they're like trying to help with these steel beams and they were doing great for like five hours. And then one of the kids on my team took a hit to the head, right? And like unconscious, like not, not waking up, one eye dilated, right? Like major situation. Um, we, um, so I'm the team leader. My husband, Vinny, is there. He was my fiance at the time. I took my binder and I'm like, you're in charge. And I ran and got on the boat and took um, Dylan to the, the village. And so we got there, they medevaced, they called a medevac. Um, I got on a plane with him, still not conscious, right? I'm getting on a plane with him, all of his numbers are deteriorating. We're flying to Bethel, Alaska, the closest hospital, which is two and a half hour flight, right? We're praying, right? <laughs> Lord Jesus, please let this kid live, you know? And as we're flying, his numbers begin to improve, right? And um, we get there, you know, they do the CAT scans and all the things, and he's like starting to wake up and he's out of it, like completely out of it. They've medicated him. He's a hot mess. Um, the medevac flight alone was $15,000, okay? No one could have planned for this. No one, right? Um, he lived, he's great. You need to know that because I probably will forget to tell you and then you'll feel bad later. Um, so, um, but with all of the bills that happened between the medevac and the hospitals, he was looking at $75,000, right? Well, I, before that, I never got U.S. mission trip insurance. Like, that's dumb. Like, we're right here. Like, use your own health insurance card, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and two days before this trip, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to get insurance for this team. And so I called and got insurance, and they covered everything on his medical for $4.50 a day. <laughs> Right, get the insurance. Please, for the love of all that is holy, get the insurance. Gosh, that was like, last time I did it was like 250. Okay. I mean, 250 a day or something. I mean, it seems so petty, but it's worth every penny if you need it. If you don't need it, it's a blessing to the Lord. <laughs> like, you, you've covered everyone. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. I've had people have appendicitis attacks and strokes and like, I mean, all kinds of stuff that just happens that would have happened whether they were at home in their bed or whether they were on the mission. I mean, things just happen. And so um, it's good to cover them. It's good to cover, as far as we talk legally, it's covering you personally, your church, um, the AG, and basically the kingdom. We don't want to hinder the kingdom being built, right? I've run out of time, but my email is on uh, this. Even in the next 10 years, if you're planning a missions trip and you have a question, just send me, send me an email. Okay, I'll help you with anything I can. So will Peggy, Randy, 